0: Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I want to encourage you to watch the Dove Awards tonight at 9 o'clock, I believe, on TBN. Um, It was a great broadcast on Thursday, on Tuesday, uh, when we went and I would be remiss if I did not give honor to whom honor is due. A humble servant of the Lord who works in excellence and in grace to bring God's people together. Whether it's southern gospel, uh, gospel, contemporary Christian, hip-hop, instrumental, I mean, Jackie Petillo is an amazing woman with a vision from the Lord and it's great to see her vision, God's vision through her coming to pass. So I just wanna give honor to a woman who has been working in an an industry that although it has been Christian, it hasn't always been kind to women, and yet alone women of color. And she uh, has been a champion for Jesus Christ. And she serves him, she's bold because of him, and she's blessed by him. Jackie, we love you thank you for what you do come on y'all come on the president of the gma right here so let's watch that show nine o'clock amen 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 i love you too amen amen hallelujah luke chapter eight god is doing some great stuff yeah the devil is working but god is working too and i choose to see how god is working and not be bogged down by all this negativity no, he's at work. Jesus said, my father is working, and so am I. And Jesus has never stopped working. He's working things out for us. Even if we don't see it, feel it, sense it, he is working it out. He is God all by himself. Oh, brother Aubrey, where are you, man? Man, it's good to see you, brother. I, 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 feel, a, I feel an Aubrey shout coming on, brother. Oh, my God, brother. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's start at verse 51. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she is not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Permit me to speak this morning on the subject of he has authority. He has authority, the authority of Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder that you are unstoppable, you are unchangeable. You are God, you are God alone. And we don't fully, fully, fully grasp that right now because we're looking at you through a dim mirror. But one day, Lord, we're going to know fully even as we're fully known. And and even once we get to see you in all of your glory, when our faith becomes sight, we will never ever have a capstone on knowing who you are Because you are inexhaustible and eternal. No wonder your son told us that eternal life is the knowledge of God. And that eternal life goes on and on and on because the knowledge of God goes on and on and on. But we do thank you, Lord, for the beginning of our faith where we came to trust Jesus. And that opened up our eyes and our hearts to everything else. Now, Lord, as we see your son gracing the pages of Holy Scripture, help us to get a hold of him in a fresh way. Help us to consume the word that we might live the word, starting first and foremost with me. Get the glory from this message. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. From my house to the church, is a 25-minute drive. From my door to the church's door is 25 minutes, rather, 25 minutes. And uh, one day, I had to be here in 20 minutes, (laughs) even though it was a 25-minute drive. I had to be here in 20 minutes. So you understand what I'm saying as I was coming down Hillsboro Road and I came on down to Otter Creek Brother Sean and hung my right and I was close to my time I was going to make it because I didn't want to be late for Brother Jerry I was close to my time and there were some people working on the road Uh, they were cutting trees down on Otter Creek and uh, and so when I saw them I had to stop now I stopped because they're human beings and I didn't want to do anything I would regret. But I also stopped because the gentleman who stood in front of all of the machinery had on a particular jacket with a lot of colors in it. And so by virtue of his jacket, I stopped. Because on that jacket was a badge. And because of the jacket and the badge, I stopped. But I also stopped, almost came to a screeching halt because of what the man had on his hip. He had a pistol on his hip. So I stopped because that man had authority. Now, as I was driving my car, my car weighs 5,300 pounds. It has a Hemi engine in it is powerful but when I saw that man who was probably 150 pounds my raw ability and power that's harnessed up under the hood of that 300c Hemi had to stop because that man had authority oh please go with me today y'all gonna have a good time if you go with me he had authority my car outweighed him but he had authority I had somewhere to go, but he had authority. And when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're not only talking about power because Christ has that. Now, there are many words for power in the Bible, and one of them is dunamis. And that's where we get the word dynamite from or raw ability. God has raw ability. He has power that was not given to him because he always has been God and he always has had all power. So he has raw ability. As a matter of fact, it's in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. He has power. The Bible says that God spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be and there was. And he is the one who holds the earth on its axis, allowing the earth to rotate and never to fall off. God has power but he also has authority. And those two words in the Greek language are different. There's dunamis for power, and then there's another word for authority called ekousia. Ekousia. so when you read this word, it's a little different from raw ability. Eousia means that you have the legal right to represent yourself and to be who you are. Eusia is just like what that guy on the street had. He had a legal right. He had legal authority. Because had I tried to run over that dude, uh, yes, he had a pistol on his side, but he had somebody backing him called the city of Nashville. He, he had authority behind him. So when we're talking about authority or eusia, it is legal authority that Jesus has to be God. This is unlimited, unmatched, unparalleled authority. And so when Jesus was teaching in a house one day and uh, some guys came and they had their friend with them who was paralyzed. The Bible says they tried to go in through the door, but it was so packed that they had to go up to the roof and break through the tiles and lower their friend down to Christ. And Jesus looks at their faith, And he says to the man on the pallet who is paralyzed, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins, that's good news. Your your sins, they'll never be brought against you again in the courts of heaven. Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus knew his crowd, but he also knows the hearts of men. And he knew that they began to think and say to themselves, who is this man? How dare he think that he has authority to forgive somebody of their sins? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, uh, can I have y'all's attention, please? Uh, Which is easier for me to say, your sins be forgiven or get up and walk? He said, uh, but just so that you know that the Son of Man has eusia, authority on the earth to forgive sins, homeboy, get up and walk. And homeboy sprang right on up. And so Jesus is making a declaration of his authority to forgive sin, but also his power to heal a paralytic. He has all eucousia. And wherever Jesus went, he was always aware of his authority. When Jesus preached, he preached with authority. He didn't talk like the other scribes and who, who would quote other people. They would say, well, rabbi, Ben, so-and-so says, and Rabbi, so-and-so says, well, Jesus said, look, thus saith the Lord. And Jesus would say, but I say to you. And so Jesus spoke with a kind of authority that the people had never heard, so much so where they said never a man ever spoke like this. They went to try to arrest him, but they couldn't arrest him because his words uh, were so authoritative that he arrested them with his words. Jesus has all authority. When he began his earthly ministry, he walked into the temple and cleansed the temple and said, You will not make my father's house a den of thieves. And then they were like, By what authority are you doing this? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what kind of authority. You destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. He was speaking about the resurrection because they were saying, who do you think you are to come in here and break up our traditions and to turn tables over and to put the money changers out? He had the authority because he knew who he was and he also knew who he was with. You see, authority comes from that knowledge of identity and intimacy, of knowing who you are and knowing who you are with. Jesus knew who he was as the son of God, and he also knew who he was with, and that was his father, and that was his father's house. So he walked in there, and he took authority over that house because it was his legally. But then he also did it again right after he came into Jerusalem before he was to be crucified. During the triumphal entry, he went in and cleansed the temple one more time. And the people were tripping. And they would say to him, um, by what authority are you doing these things? Jesus said, okay, I'll tell you about what authority I'm doing it. But first, you answer me a question. John's baptism. Was it from man or was it from God? Well, they huddled up and tried to get their little answer together and said, well, if we say it's from man, then the people will get mad at us because they think John is a prophet. If we say that John's baptism was from God, then he'll say, then why didn't we believe John? So they said, okay, Jesus, we're ready to answer now. Uh, We don't know where John's baptism is from. And then Jesus is like, and neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing what I'm doing. He didn't let people... Punk him, if I can say that right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is my savior, man. He took authority over sickness. He took authority over demons. Demons begging him, oh, please don't, please don't send us over here. Please send us to the pigs. Oink, oink, send us over there. And Jesus, like, go. And then they go. He took authority over storms. They out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're getting seasick. They're thinking they're about to die. Jesus is asleep. <laughs> they wake him up, master, don't you care? We're about to perish. Jesus gets up, wipes some sleep out of his eyes, you know, and says, peace, be still. Yes. And immediately, everything just calms down. And then them brothers was in the boat, Chauncey, saying, what manner of man is this? We were afraid of the storm, but we're really afraid of him. That's power. That's authority, and that's Jesus. Oh, when he was coming into town for the triumphal entry, according to the book of Zechariah, he had to ride on a donkey, which symbolized his humble kingship coming into Jerusalem. So he said to the guys, uh, go into town. There's going to be a man. He's going to have a donkey and a colt. Go and get them and tell him that the Lord needs them. And so they go in and they follow what Jesus says. And because this man knew whose stuff that was, that that technically wasn't his stuff, it was Jesus' stuff, he freely gave his donkey and colt to the disciples so that Christ could ride on them coming into Jerusalem. He took authority over that man's stuff because technically it was his stuff. So when he asks you or even compels you or commands you to give something... Don't try to hold on to it because it ain't yours. It's his. And that man acknowledged his lordship and gave it to him. He said, "Uh, look, we need somewhere to have the uh, last supper. Go in and say to this guy, we need your house. And so they go in and the guy gives them a house. And not only gives them, he gives them a furnished upper room because the Lord needed that. When they arrested Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, you would think he lost authority when they came to arrest him. But no, he didn't. They came with Judas, and Judas kisses Christ, and they've got their torches and their lanterns, and they're looking for the Christ. And John's gospel says that when Jesus says, I am he, the Bible says they fell down. Now, some say they fell back in battle position. No, I believe when he said, I am he, they fell back because of the awesomeness of the I am. They were on holy ground, even though they were coming to arrest Christ. He took authority over the arrest, so much so that when his homeboy Peter, who rode shotgun with him, got a little hot-headed and cut off Malchus's ear, Jesus is like, now, now, Peter, put put your blade up, bro. We, this is not how we gonna do this. Uh, and then he reaches out and he heals Malchus's ear. The one who came to arrest him, Christ, is ministering to him and heals his ear. That's authority. And then he goes ahead and allows himself to be shackled, and he allows himself to be punched and arrested, and he goes. And then he stands before Pilate, Pilate, the Roman governor, who can do anything that he wants to do. He's second only to Caesar. This man has power, and he has the nerve to say to Christ, don't you know that I have authority to either let you live or let you die? Well, Jesus, whose authority never ceases, never stops, he had authority in that moment. And he said to Pilate, you would have no authority if it weren't given to you from above. So he was still in control of the moment, even when Pilate thought that he had control. And then, of course, we know that when he went to the cross, no man takes his life, but no, he laid his life down. That's authority. And then he went on to say, and if I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to take it back up again. And he did that on the third day, early Sunday morning. I'm just saying that he has all authority. There's never been a time where Christ has not had authority. The moment Jesus walked into Jairus' house, he took authority. When he walked in there, he, he took control. He took over when he walked into this man's house. I don't know whose name was on the deed. Must have been Jairus' name on the deed. But when Jesus walked up in that house, that house became the Lord's house. And he started commanding everything and everybody. And the proof of his lordship was that everything and everyone he commanded, they Obeyed. The proof of his lordship when he walked into this house was that everything and everyone obeyed him. Let, let, let's run through a couple of those things real quick. The first thing is Jesus took authority over the mourners. The mourners. It says in verse 52, now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. Speaking to the mourners, she is not dead but sleeping. So we've talked about this for a couple of weeks about the mourners, that that was part of their custom and tradition in the uh, early Bible days where the mourners would come, and they were paid to mourn and to show their love for the people and the sorrow for the people who had just lost someone, especially someone who has wealth like Jairus. Um, And so there could be many mourners there, but also there were people playing flutes, according to Matthew chapter 9, There was a noisy crowd there. And Jesus comes in and he tells mourners to stop doing what they're paid to do, and that is to mourn. And when he tells them to stop mourning, this is in the negative present imperative. And that means stop now. They're in there, oh, oh. And when they would mourn, they would recite the name of the dead person over and over and over and over again. So if the little girl's name was Cynthia, oh, Cynthia, oh, Cynthia, then the dude in the corner on the flute, oh, Cynthia, oh, Cynthia, they don't even know Cynthia, oh, Cynthia, oh, Cynthia. Then Jesus walks up in there and the Bible says it was a noisy crowd, It's chaos. And he says, shut up. <laughs> Just like he told the wind and the waves, be still, be quiet. Literally in the Greek, put a muzzle on it. So he tells the morning, oh, Cynthia, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he took authority in that moment. But not only did he tell them to stop weeping, then they ridiculed him. Remember, they put him down. Which really gets into, listening to this strong tower, The insincerity of these people. Because they went from mourning to scorning just like that. He messing up their money. He messing up their performance. And so they went from, oh, Cynthia, to who do you think you are? They had attitude. But that's why he had to do, and I love this next verse here. I highlighted it in blue in my Bible. It says, but he put them all outside. You got to love that. He put these people outside. Jesus, the Lamb of God, so mild and meek and gentle and lowly, was also the lion from the tribe of Judah. Don't get it twisted now. Y'all need to go. Why do they need to go? Because they don't believe in him. And, and, And Jesus It's said of him in the other parts of the gospel that when he went to his hometown, when they ridiculed him, he didn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And Jesus is like, now, we don't need this unbelief up in this atmosphere right now. We're about to do something great that gives glory to God, and we don't need nobody in here with all that negative energy and that negative spirit. They're scorning and ridiculing Christ. Now, y'all need to step out the room. Because why should you have a front row seat to a miracle when you don't even believe that I can do it? You ain't going to get no front row seat to this. No, you got to go out the room. And he put them out the room. Now, Strong Tower, here's a good practical point. God, from time to time, will put some people out of your life. Because they're a hindrance to what he wants to do in you. And they have this unbelief about what God wants to do in your life. And so every now and then, he'll put some people out of your life because what he's about to do in your life, he doesn't want all that negativity around. He'll put them out. And when God puts some people out of your life, sometimes it's just for a season. You know, it's for a season because everybody he brings into our life is for a reason and a season, okay? And so so when they go, don't chase them. When they go, oh, this is hard. Don't have a pity party. When they go, don't be sad. Love them. Pray for them. But recognize that the Lord is the one who didn't leave the room. He's still with you. He ain't going to leave you or forsake you. But sometimes he got to move some people out before he does what he's going to do. But not only will he move some people out, every now and then we got to move some people out. Because in Acts chapter 9, Peter imitates Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. He's walking with Christ in this room. He sees what Jesus does. And he's like, man, I'm going to do the same thing one day. Well, in Acts chapter 9, a lady named Dorcas had died. And all the mourners are in the room, and they're showing Peter the clothes she made, and they're crying. And Peter's like, wait a minute, I saw this before. Y'all need to leave. Y'all need to go ahead and get out. And they got out the room, and Peter prayed over her and spoke to her, and this girl came back to life. So in Luke's gospel, along with Matthew and Mark, God put some people out. But then in Luke, I mean, in Acts chapter 9, Peter put somebody out. So every now and then, God will put somebody out of your life, and every now and then, you got to put somebody out of your life because they're a hindrance and a distraction to what he wants to do. Okay, I'm going to be personable right now. Back in college, there was this girl I was messing with. And uh, I knew she wasn't good for me. And I knew God was putting her out my life. But every time God would close the door like a fool, I'd go try to open the door back up. And keep messing with this girl, talking to this girl that I knew God didn't have for me. I was being stupid and then after a while the Lord just I mean he, I, I grieved the spirit so much I quenched the spirit I said that's it I didn't recognize what God was doing I'm going to do it this time and I told that girl we are done you can keep every stuffed animal I gave you you can keep my football jersey I don't want none of that back I'm done and that's where Richard you know don't date anybody your first year in college because everybody looked good the first year watch him I, she, she got me. But had I not put her out, I wouldn't have been able to see the miracle of Dorena McFarlane. Because that was this other situation in the way. And I'm so glad I had the wherewithal and the courage and the gumption to put out. And then you can't walk in there. Ain't God good. Oh, I said, oh, I should get a benediction right there. But every now and then, he'll put some people out. Let them go. You might have to do it as well. Somebody need to leave church and make a phone call today. You know who you are. Number two, Jesus took authority over the law. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, the Bible says he took her by the hand. And according to the Levitical law, Numbers chapter 19, verses 10 through 14, you were not to come in contact with the corpse. And if you did touch the corpse, you were now ceremonially unclean for seven days. And you would have to go through certain ritual baths in the mikvah. And that was the Jewish place where they would bathe for ceremonial washings and cleansings. So you'd have to go on the third day if you touched the body. You'd have to go on the third day and get cleansed. Then you have to come on the seventh day and get back in the water again and get cleansed. So when Jesus came, he touched this body. Just like he did in Luke chapter 7 when the widow of Nain's son had died. Jesus sees the funeral procession and he touches the coffin. They're like, you ain't supposed to do that. We don't do that here. Now you're unclean. No, he's not unclean because he raised both people from the dead, after he touched them. Had he not raised them from the dead, he would be ceremonially unclean. But because they got up, because he told them to get up, he wasn't ceremonially unclean. He showed his authority. Jesus said in Matthew 5:17, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Thank you, Jesus. The purpose of the law is to drive me to Jesus. The purpose of the law is to show me that I'm broken and I'm sinful and I need a Savior. But Jesus kept the law perfectly for me, and because of Him, I am freed by the grace of God. He took authority over death. Hell yeah, when he walked in that house, he just took authority. He's the king. This is his dominion. This is the kingdom of God coming to the people of God. He took authority over death when he called her, and he said, little girl, arise. Now, there's no exclamation point on that, which means he didn't have to yell. He just spoke. And according to Mark's gospel, he used his childhood Aramaic language, "Telethai kumai little girl, I say to you, get up, get up. And she got up because when Jesus called her, physical death had to let her go. Had to let her go because death submits to Jesus. He is the Lord. He has all authority. I'm so glad to be with him. He has all authority. Death could not keep his hold on that little girl. It had to let her her go. But here's the question for you theologians. The Bible says her spirit returned. So when she died earlier that day before Christ got there and before her spirit returned, where did her spirit go in those moments? Okay, I don't know the answer specifically, so I, 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 I'm going to keep on moving. <laughs> but I do have a sanctified guess. When Jesus was on the cross, next to him was a thief who went from scorning Christ to trusting Christ. And Jesus said to him, before they both died, before their bodies and spirits were separated, Jesus said to him, y'all know what he said, right? Today, you will be with me where? In In paradise. So paradise, some theologians believe, is Abraham's bosom. From Luke chapter 16, when the, the crippled man, Lazarus, had died and he went to Abraham's bosom, that's Sheol in the Old Testament, the place of departed spirits, which is in the earth. Because when the witch of Endor called up Saul, Saul King Saul, the Bible says he came up. Now, we ain't gonna get into all that witch stuff, but anyway, he came up. And so, Jesus gives the parable in Luke 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. When Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom, but when the rich man died, he went to hell. The little girl did not go to hell. She went to Abraham's bosom or paradise, and just like Lazarus had to leave that place, the little girl had to leave that place because Jesus said, little girl, come on. And she got up, and her spirit came back into her body. He has all authority. I'm just trying to tell you that. But I have a question here. The Bible lets us know that when we were born into this world, we were born spiritually dead. Spiritually cut off from life in God and with God. Our sin caused us to fall short of his glory. Ephesians says, but you were dead in your trespasses and and in your sins. But there was a day in 1984... When I heard Jesus calling me to wake up, to be born again, to be saved, to come to him for salvation. And when he did that, spiritual death had to let its hold loose on me. When he called me out of spiritual death to spiritual life, out of darkness into the marvelous light, death and darkness had to obey when Jesus said, Chris, come on. My question to you is, have you heard his voice call you out of spiritual death into spiritual life? Have you been born again? I didn't say, did did, did you go to church? Going to church isn't going to save you. I, I didn't say if you got baptized. He's got to call you from the dead. And it's a personal call. And if you're wondering right now, have I heard his voice? Do I know him? then that probably means that you don't. Because he said, my sheep know my voice. But the good news is that today can be the day of salvation. And you can say, Jesus, I hear your call. And I accept your call. Because to as many as received him, listen to this, to those who believed on his name, to them he gave the ephousia, the right, the legal right to be called children of God. So when we get saved, that's a legal transaction. We now become justified, declared righteous by a God who does not lie. And it's by faith, not by works. That's the good news. I just had to drop that in there for somebody to let you know that if he's calling you, don't harden your heart. Say, yes, Lord, I receive you. But then finally, not only... Did he take authority over the mourners? He took authority over the law. He took authority over death. But he also took authority over Jairus and his wife. Pastor, what do you mean? Jesus said, the Bible says he commanded that she be given something to eat. Now, he's not commanding the disciples to give her something to eat because they don't know where the food in the house is. That's Jairus and his wife's house. So Jesus turns to the parents, because the parents are to provide for the children, and he says to the parents, give us something to eat. I command you to do that. Now, how did Jesus know she needed something to eat? Because he knows what you have need of before you ever ask or you're incapable of asking. He knows that she was sick he knows she didn't have anything to eat while she was sick he knows that when she came back to life that she was going to be hungry Jesus said go fix that girl a bologna sandwich and do it quick do it right now cut it on the side let it bubble in the middle put some butter in the pan hook her up with some mustard on it put a little piece of onion on that. hook her up she hungry and give her some of that red kool-aid too not strawberry not cherry red kool-aid oh thank you mm, y'all ready for lunch now He knows what you have need of. He knows what you have need of, and he promised to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ. So if you don't have it right now, it just means it's not a need. But he gives us food, clothing, raiment. We seek first the kingdom of God. He's like, I'll take care of what you need. He knows what we have need of. He knows what this church needs. But then he goes on and he tells the parents now, Verse fifty-six. He charged them, "Don't tell anybody what just happened." Why would he do that kind of stuff? He would heal people. Say, "Don't say nothing," and the people go out and tell everybody. Hey, everybody! Let me tell you what he did for me. He tell us now. Go tell the world that I'm the Messiah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Hey, tell everybody. Mm. We need some help, don't we? But he told them not to say anything because, yes, he healed people. And he would have these, what we would call today healing crusades. He did one at Peter's mother's house where he healed the mother-in-law. And all these other people came to the house. But he left that particular healing crusade. And he said, I got to go to the other cities and preach. For I have come to preach the gospel. Healing is good, and it has its place, and we trust God for healing, but that's not the primary reason that God came, because every person he raised from the dead died again. Every person that he healed of leprosy and every person whose eyes he opened up, yeah, that was great. But if their soul wasn't saved, like the paralytic whose sins were forgiven, what good is a physical miracle if there hasn't been a spiritual change in your life? He came to save people from their sin. And he knew people. Just like when he fed the 5,000, they looked for him the next morning and said, where's breakfast? He's like, no, I'm not going to be your king. He knew people. He was like, man, the word get out on this. I'm not going to be able to get around the way I need to get around. They're going to impede the progress of getting the gospel out. So don't tell anybody. But watch this though. Matthew, his version in Matthew 9:26 says, and the report went out into all that land. But well, how did the report get out? When mom and dad were told don't say nothing, the disciples didn't say anything. How did the report get out? Let me take it back, John. Who were the people he put out the room? The mourners. The mourners were really like haters. The girl comes back to life. The door is open. Don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. The door is open, and they see little Cynthia up eating a bologna sandwich, right? The mourners who ridicule Christ that he can't do a miracle like this. He might can heal the sick, but he can't raise the dead. But when they are shamed, when they see this little girl walk out of this room, it was so good they couldn't keep it to themselves. They went out and spread the news. Isn't it interesting how sometimes God will use your haters to testify about the goodness of God in your life? When you get a car, when you get married, when you have peace of mind, when you get saved, those people will be the ones who will talk about you, and and, and they may put you down. "Mm, He he got a new job. Mm, It's only at the post office, though. But they telling it, they telling it, they telling it. (laughs) Because God says, I'll make your enemies a footstool. They told it. The moment Jesus walked into this house, took authority because he has authority please get that point you're not serving a god today who's wondering what's going to happen you're serving a god who makes things happen he doesn't react he predetermines he's in control that's all this means and the proof when he walked into that house that he had all authority was that everything and everyone obeyed him the mourners obeyed him. The law submitted to him. Death submitted to him. The husband and wife submitted to him. But the question is, do you submit to him? Because you call him Lord. And then Jesus said, now, 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 now don't call me Lord, <laughs> Lord, but don't do what I do. Luke chapter 6, I believe it's verse 46, don't call me Lord and don't do what I say. And, and, and when he walked into the house, that house became his house. Just like Strong Tower Bible Church is his house. What he says up in here goes, period. And this word is his authority. So if you've got a problem with what's going on in Strong Tower... We hope as elders that it's a problem with this word, not with our flaws and our fallenness as men we, and women leaders. We, it's this word that's the authority in this church. Yes, yes. But what about your house, though? What about your house? Does Jesus have authority in your house? Does he have authority in your life? And what I mean by that is Joshua said in Joshua twenty-four fifteen, he says, uh, Y'all can serve them gods on the other side of the river if you want to. But as for me, help me out, y'all, and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so in my house, because it's the Lord's house, that means certain conversations ain't going to be had in this house because it's God's house. I'm not going to talk to my wife a certain way. That doesn't honor God and honor her because this is the Lord's house and she belongs to the Lord. I'm not going to talk to my children in some crazy way because that doesn't honor the Lord or my children because they belong to the Lord. All of it is God's. So if it's God's house, certain conversation won't be had up in here because it's his house. Because it's his house, certain stuff won't be on my television set because this is his house. If you can't say amen, just give me an A. Pastor, I'm in process. Certain activities won't go on in this house because this is the Lord's house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you don't like it, depending upon your age, you can find another house to live in. Because we're not bringing that stuff, that spirit, that attitude, those actions up into this house. Because here's the deal. The Lord says, all authority has been given unto him in heaven and in earth. Then he says, therefore, go. So go in my authority. Now, you are not the one who possesses or creates the authority. You have the authority because he gives you the authority to make disciples even in your own house. So when you walk in your house, walk in under the authority of Jesus Christ and say, as for me and my house, no devils win here. So you sit down with your children, you sit down with your spouse, you sit down with your uncle, your aunts, whoever's living in your house and say, we're going to make some changes in this house because this is the Lord's House and I want the Lord's blessing in this house. Too much confusion has been in this house, too much cursing has been in this house, too much lasciviousness has been in this house. And just like Jesus, they might ridicule you and think you're crazy, but that's all right. As for me in my house, He has authority. We have to recognize it. And like I said earlier to you, if you are not a Christian, if you are not saved, if you're not born again, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, you need to become one today. Because watch this, watch this, and I'm going to give an invitation. You may not want to accept his authority now while you're living, but I got to tell you, Mr., Mrs., child, you will acknowledge his authority. If you don't accept his authority now, you will acknowledge his authority. See, if you accept his authority now, with it comes spiritual life, heaven, the glories of God, all of that good stuff. But if you reject Jesus Christ and his authority now, you will acknowledge his authority when you die and go to hell. When your spirit leaves your body and you go to hell. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11, that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, acknowledging that Jesus has all authority as Lord of things in heaven, of things on the earth, of things under the earth. So if you don't accept him now, you will acknowledge his lordship later. And once you bow your knees in hell, you will still go back to burning. There, there's no escape. Once you make your decision, and to not make a decision is to make a decision. So would everybody please stand today? No need to belabor this as Mona comes. I, I, I just want to make sure from time to time, I, I know that we equip the saints to do ministry here. I know that church is about making disciples, but every now and then somebody may come in who doesn't know the Lord, and we love you, but above all, God loves you. And now's the time. Now's the time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the authority of Jesus. Thank you for his authority to defeat death. Thank you for how the book of Acts says that it was impossible for death to keep his hold on Christ. He came smashing out of that grave with all authority in his hand, and he took the keys of hell, death, and the grave. That is our Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your son was not weak. Thank you, Lord, that your son did not get defeated. Thank you, Lord, that everywhere he went, he went in your authority. He was never out of control when things were out of control. He was always in control. He is the son of the living God, and we worship him. We acknowledge him, and we say thank you that we know his name. If there's someone here, let go of your pride. If you don't know him, let go of your pride. And say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking my name. Thank you, Jesus, that you're calling me out of darkness to have a relationship with you, and you want to live your life through me. Oh, Jesus, I accept you today. Oh, Jesus, if that's your prayer, pray it. I believe in you today. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me of all of them. and Come into my life and take over. With everyone praying, there are folks praying for you right now. They're praying for you because they know what this is like. They've been there. This moment, everything hinges on this moment. If you prayed this prayer, to trust Jesus, to ask Jesus to be your Savior, would you lift your hand right now so I can see it? If that's you, lift, lift your hand right now so I can see. Lift your hand right now. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share the good news. But Lord, we know that you primarily call us to share this message outside of these doors. And I thank you that it's just not the preacher's responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations. It's all of your disciples' responsibility to go and make disciples. Lord, when people are talking about politics and they're afraid of what's gonna happen, may we walk in understanding the authority that you have and that you've even given unto us to speak words of life and grace and peace and truth but above all to speak the gospel you've anointed us for that use this church in ways we could never imagine bless us to be a blessing pour out your spirit in great measure fill us up Lord Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for your authority. And right now we say, Lord, that we don't make you Lord. You are Lord. And we acknowledge your Lordship. You're worthy of our best worship. You're worthy of our best attitudes, our best actions, our best offering. You're worthy of our best because you're the king. So glad to be one of your children. We love you today. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Who got a hand praise for King Jesus? Who got a hand praise? Come on! Oh! He's worthy. Elder Aubrey said something today in prayer. Come on up, Mona. And he talked about us never taking the glory of God. And I thought about that, Aubrey, when you prayed that, That he allows us to walk in his authority, but never in his glory. Walk in the authority of Jesus. Know who you are and know who's with you. Walk like you're his son and daughter. Amen!